friends, and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. I'm Anita Kelly, and I have a very special guest from far away from me um, today, and her name is Lil O'Brien. Welcome, Lil. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the show all the way from Kiwi Land. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a morning time here and afternoon for you. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think on different days. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm a day ahead, you know. New Zealanders, we are ahead of the rest of the world yep. in most things, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, Lil, really, thanks for being on the show. Um, and uh, I want to talk about um, you have a book called. Not That I'd Kiss a Girl, which is, yes. uh, I guess, an autobiographical account of your coming out story. Um, so, so really, yeah. w- what was the deciding factor? What prompted you to, to write a memoir about coming out and your experiences? Um, well, it had kind of been bubbling away for a while. Um, and... You know, I'd, I'd had a, a fairly extreme in one way, in, in some ways, um, and quite typical in other ways, experience of coming out. Um, but it was all kind of just sitting right there, you know, at the front of my mind. Um, I came out when I was 19. Um, and then when I was about 20, 22 or 23, um, and I'd moved to Auckland, which is New Zealand's largest city, and I'd started doing volunteering with. Um, a great charity here called Rainbow Youth and with them I would go into high schools um, around Auckland and tell my coming out story Mm -hmm. um, as a part of their gender and sexuality program so we'd have about you know five minutes at the end of the session um, that me and one or two others would would quickly run down our kind of coming out stories and I realized firstly how cathartic it was for me and how good it was to to talk about it and then just seeing the reactions of the students. They were just kind of gobsmacked and amazed and so interested. Um, you know, you could hear a, a pin drop. Um, and I was, think I thought to myself, you know, this, this is, I just want to do more and I want to tell it in, in full and it, and it feels like there's a real need for people to hear um, my story, but, but, you know, other people's stories as well. So I kind of sat down and started writing. Um, yeah, I started writing notes and, and that was the beginning of it. That's awesome. That's great. That's uh, a great organization, Rainbow Youth. And, um, you know, Mm. it's, it's, I think, critical that young people hear this, that and that everything's okay, you know, uh, and everything will be okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, we've, we've, yeah, we've got some great organizations here, especially around books, actually. Um, we've got an organization that does out on the shelves and they have LGBTQ plus books. Um, and it's kind of like a library and, you know, they spread the word and we've got some cool Instagram accounts that have started and, and booksellers that focus on rainbow books. So, um, yeah, it's nice to see these little kind of community focused things popping up. Um, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, that is great. Now I, I, I'm not familiar with all the the laws and nuances in in New Zealand, but um, is do you have um, same sex marriage or marriage equality? Yes, um, yes, we got it. We were actually, I think, among probably the first handful 
um, in the world um, to get it. I'm just trying to actually quickly remember what date it was. Um, we, we certainly got it before America. Um, it was, let me just check, um, 2012. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, 2013 maybe. Um, we legalised same-sex marriage. And it actually was quite an interesting process because it came up as um, a ballot kind of, I can't remember the official legal term for it, but basically our parliament pulled pulled issues out of a hat about what to address <laughs> and um, marriage equality came up. And, and so that became the hot topic. Um, but we'd actually achieved civil unions um, earlier, um, okay which was um, in 2004. So that was quite early. We already had protections for um, queer couples and an, an official recognition. Um, so I think New Zealand's um, been quite forward compared to other countries in terms of our legislation um, along these lines, but not necessarily as forward um, in terms of, you know, social, you know, every, everyday life, if you know what I mean. Okay. Um, for example, you know, Australia, you know, has, 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 is behind New Zealand. We're, we're often compared to each other. We're behind New Zealand. They're behind New Zealand in terms of their laws. But if you, you know, went to Sydney or Melbourne um, back in, you know, 2000 and, you know, 2010, you would, it would be no big deal if someone, you know, if someone, I, I, I worked there in 2010 and um, at an, in an ad, ad agency and, you know, people like, would find out about my partner and it would be no big deal like they wouldn't even there would be no reaction mm -hmm. whereas in New Zealand at that time if you were like oh my partner or my girlfriend or my wife or whatever you would say um there would be a visible reaction not 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 necessarily anything negative but kind mm -hmm. of like oh, oh okay I better uh I need to make sure I handle this properly yeah if you know what I mean yep, yep. <laughs> definitely yeah I remember one time um I started a new job and a woman came up to me and she automatically said, so, so what does your husband do? Like that was yeah. her, her greeting to me. And it was just like, <laughs> and I was like, lady, you are so clueless. Because <laughs> you, you look at me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not really feminine. <laughs> so it was. I uh, mean, it's a weird question on a number of levels. Isn't exactly. It? Oh, totally. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Even even if I were straight, that would be an odd question. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I don't think in the states we. I don't think we had um, equality until 2015, maybe. Yeah, I actually because I I moved to New York in July 2015, and I missed your marriage equality um, law passing. Okay. Um, um, at a federal level by a month or so, I think. Yep, that um, was, and it was in quite June. gutted to yeah. miss that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we were we were slow slow on that one. Um, yeah. So so in your book, you talk about how you came out to your parents, and and you know that whole experience can can you tell us about that yeah sure um i mean technically i didn't come out to my parents i uh accidentally outed myself <laughs> to my parents okay. um and that's the um the hook of the book is uh the book is uh, uh, if i just take a sidebar here the book is kind of like a deep dive into how i figured out my sexuality um and the south island of new zealand in the early 2000s and you know when when gay people weren't visible really you know and mm -hmm. I didn't know any gay people and 
um, so the hook of the while the book is really kind of it's it's kind of it's humorous at times and it's uh, about the mishaps and uh, all the experiences you have when you're trying to kind of work yourself out and and get into like you know the first time you go to a, I went to a lesbian bar or the first time I you know went to a same sex um, film at a cinema or things like that but mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the, the for me what the book is really about it's it's a deep dive into that because I felt like there wasn't anything that really it was always like oh I thought I might be gay and then I came out and I was like but what about all the back and forth what about the all all the uncertainty and and how did you actually figure it out when did you actually know in your process so that's where I like that's what I like to think the book is about but of course when you publish a book you need a hook yeah Um, and and for me I knew that the hook was going to be that when my parents found out about my sexuality I was home um, from university for the holidays, I, I went to university down south in the South Island at Otago, which was a pretty raucous, um, booze-drenched place. And I would come home to um, Christchurch, which is the city that I grew up in. It's a fairly conservative city. Oh, what a difference. And, um, yeah. And I, um, yeah, and I, I, ha- I had come home late the night before and was quite hungover and annoyed at them and we'd ha- we had a big fight basically about something else probably about my drinking or about something um and then I stormed away into my sister's bedroom where I was sleeping and it was quite a small house and got on the phone to my best friend at the time and said oh my god they're so mad imagine if they found out that I liked girls oh. after all this um, and my mother was listening at the door and she <laughs> found out yeah. um and then it, it all uh turned to shit quite quickly um if I can swear on the podcast sorry absolutely um no. yeah <laughs> so I came out into the kitchen um you know a few minutes later feeling much better about you know having bitched about them on the phone and yeah it just all, all kicked off and um you know my mother said get out of the house and we never want to see you again oh and my. yeah so so but it but but like many things, it, it wasn't black and white, you know, and the book does try to explore the complexity of trying to keep a relationship um, and the kind of the, the journey that I went through from being desperate to hang on to that relationship and then letting go of the relationship and then rebuilding the relationship but realising what I'd built was kind of had rotten foundations because we never, ever addressed what um, my sexuality or, or what had happened over over the years afterwards. So it was kind of like a, um, a, it was a secret. It was a big secret. And when I, when I did begin a relationship with them again, I had to be the perfect daughter, you know. I would come home and not talk about my personal life at all and just be very nice and not cause any conflict. Basically be the daughter yeah. they wanted you to be. Yeah, and I think that's an experience that that many queer people um, would identify with. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us have to um, silence ourselves and quiet ourselves and um, adjust for people, especially for family. Often, um, I know you know when we go home, we become different versions of ourselves, and we can't always be our true selves. So I think there's, yeah, I think that's a, a feeling that many people will identify with. Uh, I, absolutely, yeah, it's not always smooth waters for everyone. Um, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. And so how are things with your parents today between the two of or the three of you? Well, we, um, you know, 
the it, it took me seven years to write the book. Um, so the book came out um, in twenty twenty, and I was thirty five, I think. Um, so many sixteen years had passed um, since I, you know, since my coming out, and we'd we'd built rebuilt a relationship, you know, at that point. But as I say, it was kind of on their terms. Um, and it caused me a lot of anxiety, but I also, and I felt a lot of guilt and an obligation kind of to keep the relationship up. But it was on the surface, I think people would probably think it was fairly normal. You know, we mm. were very civil and we would have a joke and I would go home for, to, to visit them um, in the South Island. Um, and then when, <laughs> when I then threw a bomb into the family waters by talking about the thing we, didn't talk about in the mm-hmm. family, which was my sexuality and their reaction. Um, you can imagine that didn't go down well. Um, so, um, but you know what? That was kind of um, a reclaiming of my power, kind of mm-hmm. to talk about it and, and to say I, I'd had enough of of you know twisting myself into knots to to fit to fit in with them and and I did, and I and it wasn't me I like to talk about things and mm-hmm. they very much don't talk about things so okay. we currently don't don't speak um and and I have to say that uh, I feel a lot more free from 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 that even though it was very difficult during the publication of the book basically the 6 months from finding out that I had a a, a book contract to publishing the book was one of the most emotionally st- oh. stressful times of my life. Oh, you know? that. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, That's okay. I mean, I always said that if, if one person would read the book and, you know, feel more seen or be better off for it, then it was always going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and I knew that it was going to happen. So it was, okay. you know, it was kind of expected. Okay. Yeah. I think it's an important book. Um, I think what you've done is really important for, you know, our, our LGBTQ youth, you know, they need to hear that they need to hear that um, things will be okay either way. Right. Um, yeah. And, and they can make it and, and just have a good life um, with or exactly. without that, you know, support. Yeah. Yeah. Living, living your truth and, and being your authentic self is, is the most important thing and the most powerful thing, and it ultimate and that's kind of, that is the message of the book. You know, people kind of always that they they want a happy ending at the end, which I think is a happy ending. But the happy ending doesn't always have to be. And then we made up, and they they apologized, and we all came around. Sometimes you know they came around. Sometimes it's the ending was that I realized that I didn't actually need their approval, and that I am very happy as I am, and I have my found family, and yep. you know. Yep. Um, that's the reality. That's a happy ending for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so when you were young, like, did you, um, and, and you were, you know, kind of grappling with this, did you have uh, a mentor or, um, you know, anyone that you looked up to who, who supported you at all? Well, uh, no, quite frankly. And that's a little bit of the reason why I wrote the book. It was kind of the book that I wish had been around when I'd been a teenager Um, because this was, um, you know, a lot of the book is set around 2004 when I went to university, but I was born in 1984. Um, So it's kind of those years of the 90s and early 2000s where, 
you know, um, Alan came out, what was that, 1995 maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and there were a, f- a, a scattering of, of queer characters around in pop culture and stuff, but they were often, you know, um, problematic representations, yeah. you know, like Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct or, or they were not fully formed characters or they were the butt of the joke or they had the tragic ending. So in terms yeah. of pop culture, there wasn't a lot around. Uh, I do talk in the book about being obsessed with Cruel Intentions, the movie, um, and the kiss between Selma Blair and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to rewind that on my VCR over and over again, oh. you know, with listening with one ear out, waiting, you know, and making sure no one was coming down mm-hmm. the stairs. Um, but, you know, I didn't know any gay people. I think there was, there was a, it was kind of like gay people were um, a rumour, you know, it was like my my auntie's daughter's friend mm. oh she's 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 definitely one of one of them you know mm, or, or, or my parents yeah all my parents had you know a lawyer who was a gay man and, and they were like oh he's he's actually very funny you know kind of a, and, and that kind of mi- like microaggression or maybe just full aggression way where yep. they're like oh he's actually quite funny yep. even though he's a gay you know yeah <laughs> kind of, yep. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Wow. Yeah, that is so hard. And and I think, you know, th- I applaud you for writing this and, and telling your story, um, you know, so that, you know, it, it, you can be a mentor to other kids, you know? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. I, I, did, I did write it with, you know, young people in mind because it's funny, I do have people come up to me often after writers' festivals where I've spoken um, and and not to, um, I'm generalizing here, but it's often straight people and they say, I just didn't think that this kind of thing still happened or, or, or surely this doesn't happen anymore. You know, like it, it happened to you, but it doesn't still happen. I'm like, yeah, it's still happening. You know, yeah. like yeah. I think sometimes like people want to think that gay, like LGBTQ plus people have kind of got it all now. You know, you've got yeah. equality. Yeah. Like what's the problem? Yep. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And I think with <laughs> with each new generation, I think things get better and better. Mm, um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and um, I remember uh, one time I I walked into a conversation, uh, my one nephew and niece, and um, I you know you know when someone's talking about you when you walk in the door, it's just yeah. like things stop, and I was like, what? What's going on here? And uh, they were talking about um, just about being gay and about um, really how things were in the world with that. And and, uh, my nephew said, you know, we were just saying that when people who are like grandma and grandpa's age are are gone, are dead, like we will rule and things will be different you know like they had such hope uh, you know yeah um and it's just and, and it's just so true that you know um yeah it, it, you know so i do have hope things will get better uh, yeah things are definitely getting better but i think it's i don't know if it's human nature or what it is but there's there's always a marginalized group that people will have an issue with oh you yeah know, i feel like we always. you know we, we've uh, you know, I'm a I'm a, a white cis woman, and um, things. You know, my experience is, is not the same as a person of color or a trans person, or you know, there's yeah. and and even on a um, I'm seeing a lot. My my stepdaughter um, goes is kind of going working through her gender at the moment, and um, a lot of her friends are, and they they 
are changing pronouns fairly frequently and, and yes. you know the way they present and a lot of people around me it's interesting that seems to be the new frontier gender that people they don't they kind of want someone to choose to choose it and stick to it um yeah <laughs> they yeah. don't like the fluidity of 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 gender and things that, because it's, it's hard to understand or put people in a box so i feel like there's kind of always an, a next level of things that Mm-hmm. that people need to come around to. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. And I think that is one of the great things about uh, young people is that they're just, that they are so unwilling to be put in a box. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, when you're young, you want to try different things. You, you know, that's, that's part of youth. Uh, and it's, it's, mm. uh, it's so great. Uh, it really is. It's fantastic. It is. Yeah. It's quite exciting to see. Yeah. So, um, what what was the hardest thing, the hardest part in this whole book to write? What what was the most difficult for you? Um, I mean, I think it was um, A.M. Holmes who wrote, um, you know, the American writer who wrote The Safety of Objects. Um, I remember going to a talk by her and she said um, something like, you know, memoir is, writing memoir is like picking at a scab every day and saying, look, today it bled this much. Uh. Um so, I mean, it is a, a kind of a grueling thing in itself, but of course it's quite a joyful thing um, as well, writing memoir. So there were times when there were, I think at the beginning of the book, there were a lot of tears, you know, um, because I basically wrote a list of all the bad things that had happened. It was kind of how I start, started. Oh boy, yeah. And all, That's tough. You know, and all the, the shit things that my parents had done and said. Yeah. And then and then you're beginning trying to kind of um, so so I think a lot of emotion comes out raw emotion at where where you begin addressing things that you've kind of feel like you've already processed or you've put away um, and so I think at the beginning which came out interestingly enough in my tone of voice of the book when I first started writing it it was I kind of couldn't quite get the tone right it veered between kind of a bitterness um, and then I went the other way and I was a bit too flippant about you know, things that had happened. Um, and I had to kind of find a way of talking about emotional things um, with a little bit of distance, but with also with yeah. um, still with capturing kind of the actual emotions. So yeah, yeah. I think um, it wasn't necessarily a particular part of the book. It was the, the process that kind of the process of, yeah, of, of sorting out your emotions and then putting a rational lens over them and putting them into a narrative form because no one wants to read a laundry list of, things that happen to you um you know um yeah I can understand that that is that's true I I can see where it would be a process um you know like an emotional process just and and um I imagine that your editor kind of set you straight on that um yeah well I actually had um an amazing experience which was I don't know if you've heard of Heather Hogan um she's an American lesbian writer she used to write for After Ellen um, back in the day before it became all turfy and now she um, writes for Auto Straddle. Um, and she's, she's, she was just huge. She was the managing editor of Auto Straddle, which is a, um, a lesbian pop culture website. Um, okay. And she was always my hero. Um, one of my hero writers, she kind of, she used to write recaps about, um, about TV shows with, with lesbian or queer woman characters okay. in them and, 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 and just a really beautiful way that wasn't about this just happened, this just happened. She would always kind of find links. Anyway, um, when I finished um, when I finished the book, the first draft of the book, 
um, or, or like a complete draft where I felt like it was it was ready for someone to see. I, I said to myself, who's the craziest, most moonshot person I could send it to, you know, to ask if they would read it, if they would be to read it. And I sent it to her um, along with, I made up a, a, like a gay CV. So a, a, a resume, a CV of my gay credentials, including, you know, have owned four um, Subarus and um, can clear the room t- talking about, talking about the movie Carol for too long. Um, and then I made a graph of my, my gayness over time, That's you know, like great. zero um, at birth, no sign of the gay yet, you know, up through to, um, you know, the peak lesbian moment, which was being nominated for lesbian of the year in um, Auckland once in 2010. <laughs> um, anyway, so I said that, I sent that to her and, and, and surprisingly she, she agreed to do it and she um, over you know over a couple of months gave me the most amazing feedback like I, I made the mistake of opening one of her emails she did it chapter by chapter and I made the mistake of opening one of her emails at work once and I just bawled because she was so because you know you kind of don't really know if you've got something good like you might have an idea that I think this is good and I think it's going to mean something to people, but you don't really know until yeah. people have read it. Yep. Um, and she she um, gave me a lot of st- the structural edits, so she helped me move things around and kind of split up chapters. So that was actually the most um, beneficial. And and she was coming at it from the point of view of someone who didn't know me um, and, and wasn't a New Zealander either. Um, so that was a really good point of view. And But she just said you should be so proud of yourself not just as a queer woman but just as a person for writing the story and I was like oh, you know? that's so um, awesome yeah so everyone should go and look up Heather Hogan because she's an amazing writer she actually has been writing recently a lot about um, the experience of having long COVID which is oh, yeah. quite devastating yeah yeah oh wow yeah I will I'll definitely look her up uh, mm-hmm. wow. so um, it sounds like you know, this was kind of cathartic for you, this whole um, process of, of getting this out on paper and sharing your story, um, you know, but yeah, what, what is one, like, do you have, like, a favorite memory that you wrote about? I think, um, I think my favorite memories um from writing in the book we're we're trying to to remember the moments when I had just come out um and I had my first experiences of being in a room with other queer people and and starting to identify with them Mm -hmm. and starting to go I'm actually one of you and I can be like you Mm -hmm. um so you know I talk about the first the the university um I came out when I was at university and they had a monthly queer night um, at this underground dingy bar. And, you know, the first time I walked into a room full of um, queer people, or I think it might have even been a room full of women, um, I think maybe we forget, well, I certainly forget now that feeling, like when you've never really walked, the first time you walk into a room full of queer people and it just feels so powerful and, and terrifying and yeah. exciting. Um, yeah, those so are I think great descriptors. Yeah, yeah. Writing about that that moment and writing about the first time I went to um, a lesbian film, which was The Truth About Jane, yeah. which has um, got Stockard Channing in it. Yeah. Um, and I and I was so scared about going. I had to sneak out of my flat. I was living with five other girls, and I'd had to sneak out of the flat. And I'd arrived late and was in quite a flat. And 
of course, there was only seats left right near the front. So you had and to I walk had to, out um, in front of everyone. Yeah, I had to walk down feeling very, very conscious of all the eyes on me oh. and being like, oh, my God, these people are gay people. And I'm in a gay movie, so they're going to think that I'm gay too. Or they're going to be looking at me and thinking she looks too straight. Like, what's she doing here? Is she lost? Um, you know, yeah. so remembering those kinds of moments and that just, there was so much um, heightened emotion I, and uh, when you first come out or for me, when I first came out and it was really exciting, I felt so kind of powerful and excited and, and, and they, they were the favorite moments really yeah. to, to try and write about. Yeah. And that's so true when you're first coming out and you go into, you know, a room or an establishment of, you know, with mm. other gay people, it, it is exciting, but at the same time, it can be scary as hell, you know? Um, yeah yeah uh, yeah so, for sure that's great so um what what was as a writer right what was your first experience that you remember when when you realized that words have power um and and you have mm. definitely used those words um in this book um to create this i mean it totally empowered you um and hopefully will empower others um, but when did you first learn that? <laughs> it's quite a tricky question. I, I think it's when I was um, probably at high school, um, you know, 13, 14, maybe. Um, I was never someone that grew up um, as a like being a creative writer who liked to go away and write stories or anything. I never really thought of myself as a particularly creative person. But I think I realized that I was quite good at writing things that could move people um and and, and that might have come out i think perhaps and like when i had um w with my friends we used to write each other poems like rhyming poems or um i used to write funny birthday card i remember i had a crush on a girl who was in my hockey team a couple of years above me at school and i wrote her a funny note about her boyfriend um and and she laughed or something so i think that was probably um mm when I started realizing, you know, that, that I could write things that would make people laugh or, or cry or, or whatever. Um, feel, just feel, right? Yeah. 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 And I think that was a feeling I always really wanted to, that, that drove a lot of my decisions, I think, you know, mm -hmm. and I, when I was in my final year of high school, I was a, a prefect and, you know, gave, gave speeches and that was always fun to, to see how that could go down so I actually am one of those strange people that likes public speaking and <laughs> um yeah <That's> great. <laughs> and and speak, speaking at weddings and things so I think mm. um and, and then when I finished university and I didn't really know what I wanted to do um I I was quite obsessed with television ads and how that could make people laugh and talk about them you know and and so that's what drove me to go into advertising um is that I wanted to make I wanted to make tv ads specifically that would make people um, feel something and then quickly you know the, the illusion of of what the reality of an advertising is like um, was quickly broken but um, yeah that did drive my decision making. So um, you are in advertising now? Um, I'm kind of um, advertising adjacent maybe. Okay okay. <laughs> I, um, I, I started um I started in, uh, as a in, as a creative copywriter in an advertising agency when I was twenty two, um, and I did a few years um, there. And I, I do write about that in my book, um, where I had 
um, kind of a year of um, hooking up with um, by curious or, or curious kind of straight woman um, at my advertising agency, which was, um, I don't know if you have Ogilvy, um, I think it's an American advertising agency, but we used to call a Hogilvy as in, you know, being a ho because everyone uh-huh. was hooking up with each other. Um, so <laughs> that's, a that's great. I love it. Uh, so I started in advertising, but I think I quickly realized that it was the writing that I loved, not the, um, the concepting, not, not coming up with ideas that actually caused me a lot of anxiety. Um, I, you know, I know if I sit down at a desk, I can, I can write something that's going to do the job, but, um, I never felt that way about coming up with ideas. So, um, when I was 24, I went out on my own as a freelancer, um, as a freelance writer, um, copywriter really so and, and I've kind of segued that I've been doing that for 13 years now and now I'm a, a freelance copywriter but I specialize in large-scale digital projects um, writing um, for brands uh, wow. so yeah but that's quite um you know the, the intersection between that and writing a, a book it was was quite interesting because um, for a job I have to you know, mimic or create the tone of voice for brands, you know, um, whether it's quirky or, or, or just, you know, accessible, friendly or formal or premium or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So a bit of a chameleon. Yeah. Um, and and that was actually quite a challenge when it came to writing my memoir because I had to figure out what my tone of voice was, you know, like what's, what's the way of writing that sounds the most like me? Um, yeah. 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 So that was kind of an interesting influence. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's great. So, um, do you have other plans for another book? Uh, you know, if you if you'd asked me six months ago, I would have probably still told you, you know, I'm an empty shell and I've got nothing left to give the world <laughs> because oh. that's kind of how I felt after I published the book. Um, yeah. I think because, you know, the pub- publishing the book was a, a very difficult experience for me because I knew that it would mean kind of the destruction of my relationships with my family and, and my sister, unfortunately, as well. Um, so I think I, it really took everything out of me um, and I was quite drained after that. And I, and, um, but, but then I had the, the exciting um, opportunity that the book has been optioned by um, a production company here in New Zealand um, to become a TV series. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so that that was like so exciting because I am a big um, pop culture and television fan, and I was lucky enough to um, get to be in the story room um, and uh, with a group of three other queer women, and we, you know, um, revisited the book and wrote the pilot and and wrote the kind of the proposal for it. Um, so that that's kind of I've kind of segued into into that, and I'm hoping to to do more of that. Um, it's currently sitting in a bottom drawer at, in some executive's office, um, but you know, fingers crossed that one day it will kind of see the light of day, and we'll get to create that TV show, which will be um, centered around the chaos of the Targa University, where a lot of my book is set. Yeah, well, good luck with that. That's really exciting. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm trying to write. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about going into writing a writing a novel um, next, but um, it, it will be super gay, um, mm-hmm. as as everything that I write is. And it, it's the, the the grain of the idea is a woman who has got a, a nice kind of tidy life with her boyfriend, um, and but she's just there's something kind of a bit missing, or she's a bit bored, and and one day she sees an old friend on Instagram who's 
got this group of interesting looking queer friends and she kind of burns your life down and moves moves to Auckland to um to try and infiltrate this queer group and and kind of embrace her sexuality um as a as a bisexual woman so that that's kind of the idea um okay. that I'm going to be working on next so is that a work of fiction then yes a work of fiction although you know I've come to realize that the boundaries are always a bit blurred yeah. <laughs> between <laughs> fiction. But what about, you know, um, nonfiction and fiction? I, I don't think it's a binary like many things aren't. Yes, you're <laughs> so right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there are so many um, like stories, like uh, like crime and thriller, uh, you know, mysteries that um, just kind of reflect real life, uh, which is kind of yeah. freaky, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um if if someone is struggling, you know, young person or older person, um you know, how uh they're struggling with coming out, could you recommend some resources for them? Yeah, I I feel like um the the greatest thing is the internet these days. I'm not like I I still feel like there's not like a book that you can necessarily send people to. Although my book is a great, a great way. That's to, right, absolutely. You know, have a start um, because I feel like there's not there's not one way to be um, queer. Yeah. You know, there's mm-hmm. not one way to, to do anything. Um, yeah. uh, like I I have really w- enjoyed watching the blossoming of um, YouTube and and lesbians on YouTube. To be yeah. honest, yeah. you know, yeah, um, lesbian YouTubers. I love Rose and Rosie. Um, they're a British couple and I don't know there's just there's so much we can just google um, or you can just on YouTube like people talking about their experiences and their fears and and what's going on I you know rather than one particular thing Um, Mm -hmm. that's 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 really what I would say my my friend did a a funny talk for the moth um, in New York which is you know the speaking series Mm -hmm. Um, she did a a funny piece about how um, she was googling how do you know if you're a lesbian? And she came across a YouTube video that said, um, the answer is, if you're Googling, how do I know I'm a lesbian? You're a lesbian. <laughs> so <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so she, she'd done a, she did a funny piece. You can find it on YouTube um, okay. called something like, how do I know I'm a lesbian? But yeah, just things like that. There's some great books out there now. There's so much like YA out there. That's yes. like fantastic stories. Yep. Um, you know, uh, one of my favorites, which is kind of a little bit obscure, is um, by a Japanese author um, called Kabi Nagata. And um, she, she's she got a, um, a manga called My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness. Oh. And that's really beautiful, raw, kind of um, illustrated book um, about um, a young woman who's quite isolated and lives with her parents, but starts a hesitant kind of um, exploration into um, sexuality and sex and things um, and then another one that I read that was great was uh, We Have Always Been Here yeah. by Samra Habib yeah um, have you read that one um, I haven't read it I'm familiar with it though yeah yeah it's it's a, um, about a, a young woman growing up in Pakistan so she was um, Muslim and coming out um, as a Muslim woman yeah. which is really interesting yeah yeah that's so difficult um Another scary situation, <laughs> right? Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The internet is just 
filled with all kinds of resources. Um, yeah. When, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's a, a great, and there isn't, you're right. There isn't one way, uh, one size fits all, you know, um, yeah. there, and, and you can't tell someone, well, I did it this way. So you do it this way. Um, because yeah. you know, it just doesn't work like that. Um, so. yeah, I would say though, that, 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 that finding a, even one friend or a group of friends, um, and they don't have to be queer you know mm-hmm. just a group of friends where you can be yourself where you can actually just shed that armor and relax yeah. and be yourself and talk about these things you know i have had a lot of friendships in my time where um they would say oh all you do is talk about gay things or you know there's just you feel like you're being policed um yeah. or, or you can't entirely be yourself but there's for me and i used to feel this a lot in my early 20s so i came out when i was 19 and so in those kind of first years where you would be in a spending time with a group of people and it was often people who were straight and then it would just be you'd walk into a room of your gay friends and you just could breathe properly mm-hmm. you know it was yeah. just like a oh, a relief so i will say you know there's there's nothing quite so powerful as as having people that understand you and that will let you be yourself yeah. as well so um so just finding others that you can share experiences with yeah so true so true yep and so important right um so so lil thank you so much for being on our show today um you know, oh, it's my pleasure yeah and and i'm just gonna ask do you have any any party words for our listeners um i think uh maybe if i if i take um the the um the, the opening of my my book the kind of a, the, the dedication yeah um it was actually something that i took from um the truth about jane which was the first lesbian film i went to which was the dedication of the book is to to all the queer kids who are exactly who they were meant to be um so i guess my parting message is is just you know embrace embrace yourself um and and who who you are because you're awesome yep yep great 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 words to live by for anyone right (laughs) embrace yourself because you're awesome Yeah, yeah yeah Yeah. A bit cheesy, but we're going there. Not today. at all. Not cheesy. Not in my <laughs> book. I love it. So, Lil, yeah. thanks so much for being on the show today. Um, and uh, thanks, listeners, for being with us. Um, I'm Anita Kelly. And thanks for joining Liz Talk About Books, baby. So until next time, may your journey be lighthearted, peace be plenty, and be safe, folks. <laughs>